Hello, welcome to the Grace Apostolic Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you joined us. We hope this podcast serves as a tool that encourages you and helps you navigate through this journey called life. If you wouldn't mind, we would greatly appreciate it if you would subscribe and review this podcast channel. Your feedback matters, and we want to serve you to the best of our abilities. Thank you so much. Let's go to the Word. Again, so glad to have each of you here. Chapter 11 of Hebrews. What I'm preaching today will go along with what Brother Pitt just spoke here a minute ago. We had a little incident on Wednesday. They went to pick up the, the pulpit, and uh, they picked up by the top, and it popped right off. Probably all those, me beating all the time, just trying to weaken it. It's probably, probably weakened it a little bit, you know, that fist of fury just coming down when I'm preaching. And so I can imagine that probably happened. And they picked it up, and it, so this is a different one, so this is, there's no rest for my, so I'm not going to preach sitting on a stool today. Besides, the stool looks pretty wobbly. It probably wouldn't handle my, the way I preach, it probably wouldn't last very long, so we'll just let that be, be there. Happy to have you in, in the house. I mean, isn't it good to smile and just love on God? Great place to gather together with friends. Looking forward to what's happening. This, so we do know there's a, that youth rally happening this Friday, but also down the street, Knights of Columbus are having a fundraiser for boosters for Clawson City, which we live in, and um, they're having a Euchre round robin tournament, I thought it'd be great um, if, if a bunch of us from Grace Epistock Church Adults went there and kind of invaded, invaded that place and just take it over. You know, you can take over a hashtag. Some of you that know about hashtag, you can take over a hashtag and make it your own. If enough people use one hashtag, it becomes all your pictures show up on that, that particular hashtag. You can take over events. Because <laughs> it's around Robin, everyone says to different seats, oh, where are you from? Oh, I attend Grace Epstein Church. Really, you too? There's like 50 of you here. What's, what's going on? But just a great great opportunity for us to share uh, who we are with our community. Hebrews 11, chapter 5, that starts at 7 o'clock this Friday. Join, join me and my wife will be there. <clears throat> Verse number 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for, be, before, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch had a faith that pleased God. And the Bible says that Enoch walked with God and was pleasing to God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Enoch had faith that pleased God, but without faith, it isn't. so if you want to be a God pleaser, you have to show him faith. <clears throat> I want to talk to you a little bit on the subject, simply a faith that pleases God. I want to be a God pleaser today. I want to be a God pleaser today in my faith. Everyone say amen to read the word. You may be seated in the name of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> I want to make this statement as the opening statement today. If we do, you've heard it before, what we can do, God will do what God can do. Two responses that will never take us anywhere, if that's even right English, will never take us anywhere. I don't. Two things that will happen that will get nowhere with God. One is 
we do nothing and expect God to do everything. Number two, try to do everything ourselves and not allow God to do anything for us. Both of those situations will end poorly for us in our walk with God. In Hebrews 11, verse number 6, the Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is or that he exists, that he is God, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Everyone say diligently. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's safe to say that what we find in God is a result of how diligently we have sought for God. The joy and the peace and the hope and all that we have and find in God is a direct result of our diligent search of God. So someone says, man, I never have joy. I never have peace. I'm, I'm always overwhelmed by every circumstance that comes my way. Can I tell you, when was the last time you diligently sought after God? In Jeremiah 29, 13, he says this, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. Heart, can I tell you this today? God wants to be found. He doesn't want to be a mystery to you. He does not want to be a stranger to you. But every morning when you get up out of bed at 5.30 and you don't know why, you can't sleep. It's because there's been a Savior standing at the foot of your bed waiting for you to get up because He can't wait to be found of you. I can hear my, my dog sometimes in the morning open up our door and she sits there with something in her mouth. It's a sock or a slipper or whatever. And she doesn't jump on the bed, but she can sit right next to the bed. And I know what she's doing. She's staring at me. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. She can't wait for me to get out of bed. Why? She's waiting. Can I tell you how precious a picture she is? But can I tell you more precious than that? You've got a God that wrapped himself in flesh. He went and died on the cross for you. And he stands patiently waiting for someone to be hungry. And he wants to reveal all that he has. Every rich thing. Every good thing. Every joy. Every hope. Every blessing. And he's simply waiting for someone to get down on their knees and find what God has waiting for you. Faith tells me that I have a reward waiting for me, and it's unlocked when I seek after the presence of God. So what kind of God do we serve in James 1.17? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Jesus said in Matthew 7:11, "If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him?" And I'm not sure what you've heard of God. I'm not sure what other people have told you God is like, but I'm telling you if you're not sure what he's like, let me tell you, you serve a God that wants to bless you. You serve a God that's rich in mercy. You serve a God no matter how bad you fell yesterday. 
is a God that waits with open arms today saying, hey, I know you made a mistake, but guess what? I'm a God of a blessing right now. And if you just get yourself up and brush yourself off, you came to the right place. There's a God that's blessing even this very moment today. That's the kind of God you serve. In Jeremiah 29, he said, I've got plans to give you peace. In Philippians 4.19, God will supply all of our needs. Why are we worried at night? Like he said, we got financial struggles and problems. We're wringing our hands. We're cracking our knuckles. We're, we're just, just fidgeting. Why? When the Bible says God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Deuteronomy 28 and 8 says the, the Lord will command his blessings upon your life. Can I tell you, there is so much that God has for us, and it starts when we move by faith towards him. Not sure if you know this or not, but we need God to move for us. We need God to help us or we will fail. In Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6, we find a scripture we often use but don't really know the context of why it's being used. It says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. It might be a wonderful scripture to display on our church when people walk in, that they see a scripture not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. This was the word God gave to Zechariah, and Zechariah was to give that word to a man by the name of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was trying to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed by the Babylonians, he was trying his best, but all, don't you know every time you try to do something for God, the enemy's going to come in? Every time you try to have revival in your family, there's an enemy telling you, you better stop doing it, you can't do it, You'll never, it'll never happen. And so for 15 years, Zerubbabel had this burden in his heart, and he sat because the people thought, well... The enemy told me enough, we can't do it. So they just sat there and they did nothing for 15 years. Zerubbabel wanted to bring glory to God. He wanted to rebuild the splendor of what the temple once was. But he was opposed. But then God on the 15th year spoke to Zechariah and he said, I want you to go back to Zerubbabel. I want you to strengthen the hand of Zerubbabel and all of those that have a burden to rebuild the temple. And I want you to tell him, hey, the work is getting ready to start and it's going to happen and you will succeed. But you remind Zerubbabel one thing, when it happens, it's not going to be by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Lord. And let me tell Grace Apostolic Church, if we're ever going to do something worthwhile as a church, if Celebrate Recovery is ever going to be a success in our church, if we're ever going to do something that changes the life of people, let us remind ourselves, it's not going to be by our power or by our programs, but it's going to be by the moving of God's Spirit on us. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, bring us your spirit. Lord Jesus, let's not just have church as usual, but let there be a hunger from us that says, Jesus, we've got to have your spirit with us. However, we put our hands together, love the Lord.
Lord Jesus, we need your power. We need your spirit. And he will come to us when we pray like that. The Bible says he inhabits, he dwells in the praises of his people. He will come and dwell with us when we offer him something to come down for. Because just because we gather doesn't mean he has to show up. There's thousands and thousands of churches showing up and having church. But I don't want to just have church. I want the presence of God to show up. He inhabits the praises of his people. And that's why it's so important that we let all of our stingy attitudes out at the door and say, listen, I'm sorry you can't come in here today. Why? Because I'm going to give praise to Jesus and he's still worthy of what I'm going through. And just because he hasn't answered my prayer yet doesn't mean that I'm not going to still give him worship. Why? Because if he answers me or not, guess what? He's still in control of everything. If he comes down for me and helps me, that's fine. But if not, guess what? I will stand to my feet. I will give God praise because that's what I do. And when I give God praise and I don't see the answer, God shows up and there's a breakthrough when I worship him without seeing the end results. Too often we get our dancing shoes on when we've seen the end results. It's very easy for Miriam to pick up a tambourine when you've just gone through the Red Sea and all the enemies dead on the other side. But what about when you get to Mira? What about when you get to the next phase and the waters are better and you have no, no water to drink? What do they do? She's, she lost her tambourine. She lost her praise. And too often, our praising is inconsistent with what we're facing. But I'm telling you, praise brings power. Praise brings the power of God. If anything, when things are bad, you to worship God more. Why? Because I need him more. I need him more. Therefore, I will worship God regardless of my end result. Because when we move, God will move. When we do what we can do, God will do what God can do. And so faith that pleases God is a faith that says like we sing. Even when I can't see him, I know that he's working. Even when things don't add up and I can't explain it all, by faith I'm going to keep on moving forward because God said he's never going to leave me nor forsake me. Therefore, in the worst of struggles, when I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, I will keep on moving. Why? Because I'm not alone in my struggles. And so by faith, I'll keep on going. By faith, a faith that pleases God is in the midst of my mess. I don't throw in the towel. Get mad at God. You've just shown God your real faith. We're, we're going to serve God quick when things are going great. But as soon as I go through a struggle, man, I want to give up everything. I want to give up on my walk. I won't go to church for a few weeks. I'll let everyone know how mad I am and how bad it's going. And so we give up on the things that we believe in. But rather a faith that pleases God. Says in the midst of my mess, I'm going to raise a hallelujah. In the midst of my struggle, I'm going to prepare my testimony. Because God is still working. Can I tell you, sweet? 
sweet folks something. God is still working. You may not have seen the sun for a few days. Your problems may seem bad. But guess what? God is not worried. God is not afraid. God said, if you just give it to me, I'll work out everything for your good in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's break that down. Things not experienced, but only hoped for, become real to us by faith. Things not yet experienced, but hoped for, become real to us that have faith in Christ Jesus. Our faith, get this, I don't just all scream. Sometimes I give you good little tweetable quotes here. Ready for this tweetable quote? I'll sit on the stool and give you tweetable quotes. Our faith assumes the place of substance. Our faith assumes the place of substance. I don't have the substance, but I have the faith. I don't have it in my hands right now, but I have the faith that God is going to work all things together for my good. And so I'm happy. And so I rejoice. See, it's always, it's always easy to be happy when you have a tangible thing in your hand. It's always easy to give God, oh man, praise because you're holding on to act, something actual that you can say you have it right now. Oh, praise God, I don't know what I was going to do. I prayed and I got, I got a call on Monday. I got a new job starting Tuesday, praise God. And you're going to tell, you're going to call everyone around. You're going to talk about it on Facebook, everyone, what God did for you because you have it in your hands. My car broke down, but God gave me a new car and you have a tangible thing in your hands and, and your soaks. All these things that we can hold on to that gives us joy and gives us hope. And, and so because we can actually hold it and it's tangible, we don't need faith at that moment because we have it in our hands. But someone that pleases God and, and God-pleasing faith is someone that's just as happy as that guy and you don't have it in your hands right now. But you're just as happy. And just because you didn't get a call for a new job, you're still joyful in God, and you're still happy. And guess what? Sometimes people like that look crazy. What's he on? Well, what's that guy doing that we don't know? He, he lost his job. His kids are going crazy. His wife and his her husband, all this stuff is happening. But this guy, is he, he, he's, he doesn't have anything to be happy about. He, he shouldn't be excited. He should want to stay home and not come to church. But he's the first one to the altar. He's the last one to leave. What in the world does someone like that have? It's very simple. I have a word from God. And I don't care how much money you got in your bank. I don't care what kind of retirement you have. If you've got a word from God, if you've got faith that if God spoke it, it's going to come to pass, baby. You can take that thing to the bank. Why? I've got a word from God. And I know it will come to pass. You may have a wayward son or daughter, but you keep praying. The Bible says you raise them in the way they should go, and they will not turn away from it. I'm telling you, you just keep praying. I've got a word from God. 
man, one of the most precious little girls in this whole world is Sister Emerson Tackett. She's not looking at me. There she goes. Today is her birthday. I'm not, I'm not done. I'm not done. Georgie, I see you, bro. I see you. One of the most precious young men we have in this church is Brother George. Brother Georgie, he's, it's his birthday today, too. Are we missing anybody, anybody's birthday today? All right. Can I tell you something? I guarantee you that those children that had their birthday today, this is not the happiest they've been. I promise you, four days ago, they were happy. I guarantee you, we could, they were happy from the last time they had their last birthday. Why? Because in one more year, it's going to be my birthday again. In one more year. And guess what? All they have is a promise. I know on February 2nd, it's going to be my birthday. I've not opened up one present. I've not eaten one piece of cake yet. But guess what? I know on the 2nd of February, I'm going to have a birthday party. And on that day, though I have not opened one present, I know I've got some gifts coming my way. And I wish we had some adults uh, that realized, listen, I have not yet seen uh, what God plans for me. Uh, but I will still rejoice and be happy. Why? Because God promised me uh, he's going to bless me. Uh, God promised me uh, my family is going to come together. God promised, therefore I will rejoice before it ever happens. Why? I want faith that pleases God. Put our hands together, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, some of you ought to shout without seeing it. Some of all you praise without knowing it. Why? Because if you move forward, God will respond to your faith. Adults too often have a wait and see attitude. We just see numbers. We see black and white. Jesus saw a multitude hungry in the wilderness in John chapter 6. And Jesus asks a question. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. God, Jesus wasn't afraid. He knew what he was going to do. So there was a need here. Over 5,000 men, not including women and children, much more than 5,000. They're all in a desert place. There, there's patches of grass they can sit on. And so Jesus asks a question. Well, if Jesus doesn't know, how will we know? What, how do we buy food? What, how much money do we have to buy these people food? And because the need was so great, the disciples couldn't answer him because they didn't want to give him an uneducated guess. They're trying to get the numbers. Yeah, heads, heads, okay. You know, we do that. We, we have a struggle with that with, with, with parties, right, or get-togethers. Who, who's all coming? Who's all? But you're talking about over 5,000 people, and they're, they're afraid to answer because they don't know, and they don't want to show Jesus that they're whatever. But then we find verse number 8, one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there is a lad here. Look at the situation. Jesus is there, the 5,000. All of a sudden, Andrew says, hey, we got a little kid here. And he's got his, <laughs> Lord, if you want to deal with it, he's got a lunch in his hand. And <laughs> he just, he heard about a need, and this lad offers up his lunch. Now, Lord, we've seen miracle signs and wonders, and we've, done, we've been with you for quite a while, but here we got this little kid. 
oh, just, you know, that has five barley loaves and two small fish. And the childlike faith says, Jesus, it's not much, but you can have my lunch. It's not really a whole lot, but Lord, if I can just do my part, I will give my part to you and let you have that. But as soon as a child shares his faith, pleasing, his, his faith-pleasing faith, his God-pleasing faith, his God-pleasing faith immediately is overshadowed by adult criticism. There's a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fish. <laughs> but what are they <laughs> among so many? A child says, Lord, I'm pleasing, I want to do my part. And immediately one of the disciples who's super spiritual says, but what, are this, what is this little lunch among so many people? And can I tell you, there's no wonder why Jesus told us to be converted into little children. Because can I tell you, we adults often miss God moments and opportunities to show us his power because we sit back trying to figure out how it can be done. And Jesus is simply saying, just give me what you have and I will do the rest. And we struggle sometimes because bills are tight and we're afraid to give God our tithing. Well, Lord, I, it's only 10% of $100. Lord, what can you do with 10 bucks? I, I, I need that $10. If I don't keep that $10 for myself, I can't buy groceries. And God is sitting there and the heavens are closed and the blessings have stopped. And you're wondering, God, when are you going to break through? God's saying, listen, if you just give me $10, I will stretch that longer than $100. But just give me what you have and trust me that I will do something with what you've given to me. And oftentimes we sit around and say, God, it's not enough. It's not enough for you to work with. And God is saying, stop looking at what you have as being too small. Just give me what you have. And when you give me what you have, it will unleash a blessing from heaven because you please God. And God will bless the rest of what you've given him. Because when you do what you can do, God will do what God can do. Won't be too much longer here. But I want you to understand this part. This is very important. The principle of this sermon is the reality of our salvation. If you're going to be eternally saved according to scriptures and be right with God, you're going to have to be obedient to the Bible. Do what you need to do, and God will do what God does. In our steps to salvation, look at this. This is heavy. In the steps of our salvation, according to Acts, two-thirds of our salvation is reliant on our actions. Two-thirds. The weightier part is up to us because God will pour out his spirit. There's no, there's no doubt there. But two-thirds of that is reliant upon us. John 3 and 3, you must be born again. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he's old? 
Jesus said, verse 5, you must be born again, uh, verily, verily, say anything, unless you be born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, we know the Holy Ghost is poured out. And people understand they're sinners. They know they need God. They know they've hung him up with, they hung Jesus up with wicked hands and crucified their Lord. And they're feeling pretty bad about themselves. They say, man, Peter and the disciples, what shall we do? And Peter said, you want to know how to be saved? You want to know how to break free from your sin? He said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the first step is repent. That means to change one's mind, to turn with contrition or remorse from sin to God. You want to be saved? You can't be saved without first doing the first step. You're living in the world, man. You're doing whatever you want to do. And all of a sudden, a preacher tells you to stop and repent. You think, what? Repent of what? Repent of the sins you've been committing. And all of a sudden you say, man, God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. My life has not pleased you. And all of a sudden you would turn with remorse to God and say, God, if I'm going to have a life that's pleasing, i got to turn towards you. And you start walking towards Jesus. And no one can make you do that. That step is on you. And you repent of your sins and you turn from your ways to God. And then he said, once you've repented... You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Listen, just because I confess Jesus as my Savior, welcome him in, does not mean my sins have been dealt with yet. That shows God that your heart's open, you're ready. But the only place, the only way that your sins will ever be washed away is by being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That word baptize means to dip, to immerse, to submerge in Jesus' name. Both of these are a command in Scripture, and it is up to us to be obedient and do what the Word says, because no one's going to make you do these first two steps. Behind our screen there is a baptistry. It's full of warm water. It's warm. We have a change of clothes. You don't have to get your clothes wet. We have it all ready for you. All you have to do is repent of your sins. Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. God, I've come. I see everyone so, so excited. They're happy, and I don't know what it is. They've simply repented of their sins. They've been water baptized in Jesus' name. And that's two-thirds of the steps that you do. But remember, when you do what you can do, God will do what God does. Because the third part of that is the spirit infilling. This is the thing. No one can fill themselves with the spirit. I can't fill Brother Wade with the Spirit. Only God can fill you with His Spirit. But the day you seek Him with all of your heart, that's the day I'm going to be found. When you've repented and you've been water baptized, did I give you Acts 8, 35 and 38? Then Philip opened his mouth, this is the eunuch he found in the wilderness, and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, now I, I love this. Here's a man reading the scriptures. He doesn't know what's going on. There's a eunuch. He, he came to Jerusalem to worship God, but he has no idea who Jesus is and all these things. And all he has is Old Testament scriptures. He doesn't have New Testament. He's reading in Isaiah about a man who'd be killed lamb as a slaughter. And, and all of a sudden he's like, who is this man speaking of? And Philip says he's speaking of Jesus and preaching to him Jesus Christ. 
And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, see here. This isn't a frail man. This isn't a guy, this is a guy that knows what he wants. This is a guy that refuses to be said, well, I don't know if I really need it. I don't really know if, I, you know, maybe next weekend. Maybe he said, there's water here. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and be ba- and he baptized him. You want to know what? We're too often so busy, our chariot's going here, and our chariot's going there. At some point, someone says, hey, I'm talking about eternal salvation here. You need to command your chariot at some point just to stand still and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do what I can do. This man's preaching me the word. There's water here. I would be an absolute fool. If I missed this opportunity and I took my chariot past that little lake or whatever it was and I refused to get baptized, why? Because if I do what I can do, God will do what God can do. Acts 2.38, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Anyone want the Holy Ghost today? Anyone want a renewing of the Holy Ghost? I think, you know, we all, you know, sometimes we're often pointing our fingers at the people that need the Holy Ghost and really some of us need a rebaptizing again. Some of us are just coming to church out of just necessity, but I'm telling you, it would be good for all of us to say, man, Jesus, I want a refilling, I want a renewing. It's a sad day when people seeking the Holy Ghost for the first time seek harder than those that have had the Holy Ghost 10 and 15 years. The, those that had the Holy Ghost a long time ought to show new converts how to worship God. We ought to say, man, this is the sweetest thing I've ever had. It's not grown old. It's not old to me. It's the greatest experience that I've ever had in Christ Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. Let's all stand. <clears throat> Acts 2 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 10 40, 46. And they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They, had the, they received the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Acts 19 and 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. I don't care what the church are telling you. The initial sign that you've received the Holy Ghost, you will speak with other tongues. You may cry. You may jump up and do a dance. You may raise your hands and feel great. But none of that is a sign that you've received the Holy Ghost. The only way, the only witness you have is when you're raising your hands. You begin to say, hallelujah, I praise you. All of a sudden, this, these words come out of your mouth, and you're not doing it. You're just feeling this. You're just letting yourself be a vessel, and you're opening up your mouth. That's why we pray with our mouth open. Right? Because you'll hear them speak with their tongues. You're praying, Lord, here I am, and you're praising him, and you're worshiping. All of a sudden, you're speaking this language, and that's the sign the Holy Ghost has come into your life. The thing is, the ball is in our court. If you've never repented of your sins, today's a great day. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name for the washing away of your sins, today is a great... You talking about Super Bowl? You think heaven cares who wins today? But I tell you what heaven does care about, when one sinner repents. Woo! Heaven rejoices. It's the greatest thing that mankind can experience today. And I would love to see heaven rejoice because someone today 
came down and turned from their sins and said, Lord, I've been playing games long enough. Today I turned my heart to you. I repented my sins and then say, hey, find someone. Find, find Brother Kevin. Raise your hand. You can find Kevin Stubbings over here, and he'll tell you, hey, hey, let's get you baptized. We'll baptize in Jesus' name. We don't baptize in titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and in Jesus. We only do it in one way. There's neither is there salvation in any other. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved in Jesus' name. Today these old altars are opening up. I wonder if someone's willing to make a move. Lord, if I step out, I know you'll do the rest. Come on, the balls in your court. Who wants to come down right now? Let's love the Lord. Come on, let's love him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, even though I can't see you, God, I'm going to worship you, Jesus. Because I know you're working on my behalf. I know you're doing some great things, Lord. I'm going to move forward. Come on, just move forward. Here I am, Jesus. Thank you again for joining us here at Grace Apostolic Church. Hopefully this message spoke to you as it did for many others. Grace Apostolic Church is a church family that you can be a part of. If you would like to connect to the church, the best way would be to visit our website at gaclawson.org or visit one of our services. Our service times are Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m. For more information, you can go online at gaclawson.org. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.